Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. You're listening to the college football coast to coast show. Here are your hosts, Jacob and Tyler. Hello, America. Welcome back to the college football coast to coast show. Uh, Tyler and I are here to recap, recap, sorry, week one, and uh, we're going to go right into the week two preview, an amazing week one, uh, a lot going on, so we're going to break it down right from the very beginning, and we're going to start with uh, West Virginia and Pitt, so uh, a crazy matchup in Pittsburgh, home of the Steelers and the Panthers of Pitt. Uh, it was a great game there, a little rival reaction that hasn't happened in a very long time. And uh, I'm glad to see that it is back, and it was a close game. Touchdown game. Pitt pulls it out 38-31 over West Virginia. Uh, The story of two quarterbacks transfer into these programs, Tyler, uh, how do you think they did, and and did they hold their own for their teams? I think they pretty much did. This was the battle of former USC Trojans. We saw JT Daniels. His journey began at USC, and then he transferred on to Georgia. And Stetson Bennett t- took over that job. Uh, we saw him really ball out in Atlanta this week against Oregon. We don't really have to go into that game. But JT Daniels, you know, going to West Virginia, I feel like that was a good school for him. I mean, West Virginia definitely has the, the talent to really compete in the Big 12. I know that they lost this game, but you got to give it to Keaton Slovis. I think, you know, this had some big shoes to fill with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was in the stadium. They had that banner unveiling for winning the ACC championship last year against Wake Forest. So, but yeah, I'm, I was just very excited to watch this game in the backyard brawl. I thought that the last time that these two schools played was in 07, but they actually played in 2011. Uh, so this was 11 years ago. So hopefully they do this every year because this was honestly one of the top games of, of the weekend, which was already a, a crazy week one. We'll get into some of the other notable games, but the pits, the pit six is what ultimately won this game. West Virginia, you know, was driving down the field and then JT Daniels found a wide open uh, West Virginia wide receiver. It dropped off his hands and then miraculously fell right into the laps of Pittsburgh. And that was all she wrote. So, you got to feel for West Virginia. I mean, they battled uh, Pittsburgh, but I mean, I don't know that there was a lot of doubters uh, with this Pittsburgh team. A lot of questions. You know, they lose Kenny Pickett and then Jordan Addison, and they just thought, well, Pittsburgh is going to suck. But we saw here in week one, I think this could be a team that can be right back into the ACC because I think the only one in their division that's really going to give them any problems is Miami. 
Uh, I know that North Carolina is 2-0, but their defense is not where it needs to be right now. Gene Chizik needs to do something uh, with that. But uh, if I don't really see any mass improvements uh, with North Carolina, then I think it's going to be a uh, two-man race in the Coastal Division between Pittsburgh um, and Miami. Uh, But, you know, this was, you know, like you mentioned, this was a game to watch. I mean, this was just a back-and-forth shootout, and if you took the over, then you won some easy money. (laughs) <laughs> uh that night so yeah like you said i was very impressed with two two of the starting quarterbacks with slovis and daniels but even if you're a west virginia fan you got to be pleased with the battle that they had i think uh the big 12 is another conference that's wide open so even with this loss they're not quite out of that race but very impressed with these two quarterbacks yeah and like we mentioned the rivalry coming back uh you know it's been since 2011 pitt has filled their schedule with that in-state matchup against penn state that came to an end last year and this was kind of the filler, and, and I'm glad they chose this game for it to come back. I mean, these two schools are separated by 75 miles. It is very close, even though they are separated by state lines. It is a, uh, it is a very good game uh, to watch every year, and I'm so glad that it is back and back for the long haul. Uh, great quarterback play, I think, on both sides, two guys that showed that they can, they can be the face of their football program and be the leaders there. And, uh, of course, two veteran coaches that uh, battled it out, and I think uh, it'll get even better uh, as the years go by and, and, and the brawls and, the, and the, you know, the, the pregame antics will get a little better. Uh, but moving on from that game, we'll move right into our second game, uh, and we're going to go right into Notre Dame and Ohio State. Ohio State holds on 21-10. Shuts down Notre Dame in the second half. Does not score a point in the second half. And uh, Ohio State holds on at home in the shoe 21-10. to 10. Uh, I think the story of this game is that Notre Dame went into half thinking, hey, we're up 10-7. Is this our time where we can either hold them or we need one big touchdown in order to hang on to this game? And Ohio State came out and said, we're just going to pound the ball and go out and score two more touchdowns and win the game. Uh, I mean, it's kind of the tale of, I don't know if it's more of C.J. Stroud or more of Ohio State got the running game going. Yeah, I was honestly very shocked with how low score in this game was. Uh, The big uh, question mark uh, for me was Ohio State was their defense. I think with Jim Knowles under, I think they did a really good job. Now, now Notre Dame, uh, the quarterback, Tyler Buckner, I mean, he's looking – he looked poised. Uh, he really looked poised. I think uh, looking at the stat line, he went 10 for 18 for 177 yards. So it's not very, like, flashy stats. But, I mean, no one really gave this Notre Dame team a shot. I mean, the line was 17 and a half coming into this game. Uh, they did lose. So, I mean, there's no moral victories in college football. But to be able to compete uh, with eventual uh, contender for the national championship in Ohio State. And then – but, uh, yeah, the offense of Ohio State was just not there uh, – Jackson Smith and Jigba went down with an injury in the first series, and we barely even saw them, you know, after that. So that was a big blow for Ohio State. So like you said, Ohio State pretty much had to change their identity from a pass-heavy offense, uh, turning the ball off to Trevion Henderson, which uh, they did a really good job at. They were able to find some open holes of this Notre Dame defense uh, that played very physical all night. I mean, this was a 10-7 game going into the half. So I mean, I, I was very pleased more of Notre Dame. Uh, Ohio State looked sluggish on offense, but it's week one. I'm not really going to, you know, say that they're an overrated team already. But, 
I mean, if you look like at Michigan's offense, I know it's Colorado State. They look way better than Ohio State against uh, Notre Dame's uh, defense. But, yeah, this is going to take some time. Uh, we'll have to see if Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be healthy uh, for their second game against Arkansas State. And honestly, I might just rest him uh, against uh, Arkansas State, maybe get uh, his knee or whatever he hurt. I think it was his knee that he was yeah. grabbing at. Uh, so, yeah, you definitely need Jackson Smith and Jigba for to be healthy for the Big Ten slate. So if I were Ohio State and Ryan Day, I would probably just rest him uh, for the next out-of-conference game and make sure, you know, your star athlete is there because Ohio State's offense really suffered without him. I mean, they do have guys – uh, in the slot, and then on the outside that C.J. Stroud uh, can look to. I mean, Stroud had two touchdowns, 223 yards passing, so it was a pretty good game, but uh, we have a lot of high expectations uh, for this guy to ultimately be in Heisman contention. So I think this was a very good game, a very defensive game that not many people expected, but that's what we got. Yeah, I think the story here, too, is you know Notre Dame's quarterback, he hasn't played – a game of football since high school in 2019. So it's wow. been a very long time since he's seen the football field. And to come back and play at Ohio State for your first game back and go 10 for 18, I mean, that's pretty good. I, I can't complain uh, there. I mean, you're, it's a number two team in the country. Uh, they did not play like the number two team in the country at all. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Uh, and I don't think C.J. Stroud played like he's played like he's the Heisman front runner either. I, I, don't, I don't think he showed us that he – is, hey, he, I'm the early favorite in order to win the Heisman. And uh, I just don't think there was enough. I mean, at the end of the day, quarterbacks win Heisman trophies because of the receivers they have with them. I mean, if your receiver can't catch a ball, you're not going to win the Heisman. I'm sorry. But also, if your top receiver is out for the large part of the game, I, I don't think we see him return until five minutes left in the third quarter, and he returns uh, for maybe one or two plays, and that was it. And – I, I'm. I don't think he's the front runner for the Heisman. I think Bryce Young is still the front runner for the Heisman. I think it's Stetson Bennett after Week One. That was crazy. That yeah. was wild. I think Stetson Bennett would be a dark horse for the Heisman, but we'll get mm-hmm. into that in, in another show at another time. But um, yeah, this game was a great game, and and I look forward to seeing it more in the future. I know they'll be in South Bend next year, uh, so that'll be that'll be a great game next year uh, to watch. Now moving on to our third game on the schedule. It is number seven, Utah. The Utes visiting the Gators down there in Gainesville in the swamp. And, man, was it a battle till the end. Um, Man, let me tell you what. I was really high. I think both of us were really high on Utah to open the season. And I said this is a great matchup for them to show how dominant they are and how dominant they can be in the Pac-12. And – Florida's defense showed up at the right time in order to make one big stop. I mean, that was really that was really it. I mean, you made a goal line stand in order to save the game, and they did. I mean, that was that was great. Kind of an odd score. 29-26 is a really odd score. Uh, but I gotta hand it to Florida, man. They they looked really good week one, really, really good week one. Uh, and they might be my third place team in in the SEC right now with how well they played. Yeah, I, I honestly I think a lot of SEC fans changed their their mindset going into this season with Florida. I originally had this team as an eight win team, but I could see nine nine wins now. I think that they could even be the second place team in the SEC, East, especially they host Kentucky 
uh, this week. They do have to go on the road to Tennessee, so that it could come down to Florida and Tennessee. I wasn't really impressed with Kentucky, so I think the the two teams uh, and the obviously it's going to be Georgia at the top. Then I think it's going to be Florida and Tennessee. But I think that Billy Napier, I mean, this is your first statement win. This was your first game, and you uh, you know upset a top ten team that had playoff expectations, and then ultimately had a chance uh, to win the Pac-12, which they still do. I think even with this loss, you know, they do have to travel to Oregon, which I wasn't very impressed with at week one, and then they uh, host uh, USC. So. I think that Utah's playoff hopes uh, are a little bit dashed. It just has to depend if they have to be fans of Florida now. They need them to just keep on winning that way. It's not very a bad loss. You don't want this Florida team, you know, being six wins or seven wins, which I, I personally don't see that now, especially with Anthony Richardson, which I think that could could be a dark horse candidate for the Heisman. He played his mind out, and that two-point play was just insane. He had to like roll out of the pocket and spin out and then find a yeah. wide open receiver in the back of the end zone. So I think that was a very uh, good play. But yeah, Cameron Ryson really struggled in this game against uh, Florida's defense. Uh, he only had two touchdowns and really the only man to step up for Utah's offense was Brant Cuthie, the tight end for Utah. He had over 100 yards receiving and then obviously the, the last drive ended in uh Cameron rising throwing an interception which I don't know what he was thinking if you don't have anyone just throw you're already in field goal range so right. like you don't, do, you don't want to do anything stupid so if you don't have a wide open receiver just throw it out of bounds and then either try or run another player you know or send the field goal unit and you know try to send this game to overtime but I think that Utah got a little bit too greedy and then Florida's defense I mean, Florida's defense, man, I think that they're going to be one of the best in the SEC, especially after this performance against Utah. But, yeah, very impressed with this Florida team. Uh, Like we said, that we were very high on Utah. But I just thought that this game was just a trap game from the start. I mean, this game was at Florida. We saw Utah players puking all over the field, just how hot it was. And one of the the players said after the game that, you know, like the crowd – do really factor into the, the humidity but I mean that's just loser talk at that rate I mean the swamp was absolutely wild I mean the crowd really got into it it was it was very loud at the swamp and the heat really got to the players like I mentioned with uh, them blowing chunks over the field but yeah I think that my most impressive team uh, was Florida outside of Georgia in week one yeah I think so and you know another note with Richardson would be the first. I mean, if he was to win the Heisman Trophy, which would be a very big long shot to win the Heisman, but if he did, it would be the first since Tim Tebow to win the Heisman, uh, which would be a great, great uh, thing to add on his resume and to into Florida's resume as a whole. Uh, but no, great, great statement win for them. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, really looking at Florida's schedule, you look at it, they don't play Georgia till late in October. And you got to run through a couple of teams. Uh, you got to run through LSU, uh, you know, who you get at home. And then you go and, and you go to Athens to play against Georgia. If they're still undefeated by the time they get to Georgia, and it's two undefeated teams going at it at that point, um, there's nothing saying that this is a one score game, mm-hmm. you know, coming down to the very end. Yeah, I think ultimately that. They're going to be a one-loss team. Uh, I know that Tennessee, I've been high on them. So I think that they lose that one, but they should pretty much, you know, take care of business. So they should be uh, either a one-loss team or undefeated going into the Georgia game. should be a top 15 team by by the time that they face uh, Georgia and Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, it, it, 
with Georgia, I mean, if Georgia does end up undefeated to that point, which we expect. Yeah, they will. Uh, to this point, you know, I mean, if they are going into that game, and let's say Florida does lose to Tennessee and they do play there and Florida ends up winning in Athens, I mean, you really spoil Georgia's hopes at, at a national title, you know, really. And at that point, depending on where Tennessee is, you might take first in the SEC East and you might be there for – for the the SEC championship game against notably probably Alabama. I mean, let's if the chips are down, let's it's probably going to be Alabama. So, um yeah, that that's great for them and and I think everything lines up perfectly for them. Uh but getting into the next game, we're going to go to Houston and UTSA talk about a game. And uh wow, I was shocked at how close this game was. I know UTSA had such a great season last year and I said, "Well, I said it's a new season. Let's taper off a little bit. Houston's a top 25 team and they know, they know what to do. Clayton tune is still there. And and he is a veteran as any quarterback is in college football right now and knows what to do in a situation of men. It was crazy. Um, and that was a great game there. Houston pulls it out. They're the 24 ranked team. They pull it out 37 to 35 over UTSA at UTSA. Great football game. Receivers for UTSA look really good. Uh, they look like some power five uh, receivers out there. They have a big guy out there, caught a couple touchdowns. Great game there. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this game. Yeah, this was a very evenly matched game between two very explosive and high-powered offenses. Uh, this came down to the to the pinnacle two-point uh, game uh, in three overtime. So, uh, UTSA was unable to convert on the two points, and Clayton Toon ran it in uh, for the two-point conversion to put them up 37-35. So I think this was a really good uh, win. I mean, UTSA is pretty much going to dominate the conference USA. The only team that I really see, you know, putting a close fight up against them is, is UAB. Houston uh, in the American Athletic Conference is probably going to come down to a three-man race between UCF. And Cincinnati, Cincinnati, even with the loss at Arkansas, really impressed me. I mean, with all the guys that they lost on both sides of the ball, a really impressive showing uh, at Arkansas. But, yeah, like you mentioned, Clayton Toon, the veteran quarterback, just absolutely balled out against a UTSA defense that had some holes in uh, in the secondary, and he definitely uh, tore them apart. And the same thing with UTSA. I mean, their receivers got after it against Houston's defense. So this was a good uh, versus good battle down in San Antonio. I wish this game could have just gone into like nine overtimes or something like that and just yeah. kept it going. Uh, but this was a really good game uh, and a really important game for Houston, especially if they want to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. This was a must win. Uh, like I mentioned at last uh, week's show, if UTSA wins, then I look at their schedule. They're, this is an undefeated team and possibly a New Year's Six Bowl bid. But I mean, obviously that they lost this game, that's out the door. But still, I could see 11-1, and 10-2 season for the Roadrunners. Uh, Houston, on the other hand, uh, is looking really good to contend uh, for that American championship this season. Yeah, great game there and two teams battling it out kind of on the even plane. I agree with you. Uh, excellent game, and hopefully both teams can can uh, hold their own for the rest of the season and, and come out on top in their, their conference championships. Uh, last game that we're going to recap, kind of anticlimactic here. Um, South Dakota State goes to Iowa to play at Iowa. Look, folks, we're thinking, you know, Iowa's going to beat the brakes off of them. And 
Iowa shows us exactly what they are right out the gate in week one, which is a team that can't put up more than seven points. Folks, they did not score a touchdown. Nobody in this game scored a touchdown. I know it says seven to three, but they did not score a touchdown. Mm -mm. South Dakota State gets a field goal in this game. Iowa gets a field goal, which leaves four points on the table. They got two safeties to score seven points. I think that's crazy. I think that's wild that you score seven points that way. Um, and it, <laughs> I was going to be looking for the first touchdown against Iowa State this week, so which is pretty sad, and you've already got a win. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, South Dakota State, I don't know very much about them. I don't think a lot of people know very much about South Dakota State. Um, I believe it's Pat – is that Pat McAfee's old – I think so, yeah. Grounds, I believe he was on so. college game day whenever they went up there for South Dakota State and then North yeah. Dakota State. But he's a big Jackrabbit. Yeah, guy. I, I know he is. He believes but, in. Yeah, he has the belief of the entire school on, on his shoulders there. And uh, Iowa, you know, is a season season team, and and looking at this game, I feel they're very vulnerable to every team in the Big Ten, and especially there in the West. I mean. You talk about some teams that have made some moves. Northwestern, we saw last week. I mean, them with Northwestern could be a battle. And times that we've seen them blow out Northwestern, and and we're like, man, this isn't even a game. You know, I mean, this really could be a game when we come down to it. And I think based on what comes up next week, it's either, you know, I mean, they either make it or they bust. I mean, if you lose against Iowa State next week, and they're playing – I think they're playing at home because uh, they played at Iowa State, I believe, last year. But they're playing at home this year. And if you lose that game, you might shoot yourself in the foot for the Big Ten West, you know, being that, that team to clinch the Big Ten West. Yeah. So I think that our our viewers just need to know what this box score is. So I'm going to, like, spend the next couple of minutes just to go through. So the first quarter, punt, punt. Miss field goal, punt, 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 field goal, punt, 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 interception, field goal, end of the half, 3-3 between South Dakota State and Iowa. So, I mean, people are wondering, yeah, how could this get any worse? Well, it does. So in the second second half, punt, 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 safety, fumble, punt, 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 punt. I feel like I'm just like on like a punt. <laughs> <laughs> safety, punt, downs in the game, 7-3. Yeah, Spencer Petrus is not the guy, not the answer for this Iowa team. I think that Jacob has been anti-Spencer Petrus, and I'm now seeing it. I mean, if Iowa struggles to score against South Dakota State's defense, then what are they going to do when they face, you know, the likes of Wisconsin, Purdue, Ohio State? Michigan, all of those. I I don't know. Like I had this team as an eight win team. I just don't know. I don't even know if that they, they can get seven or six wins. I think this is a very vulnerable team. I think that their defense is solid. It's going to be one of the best in the Big Ten. That's probably going to be like the only saving grace for this team. But yeah, this offense has a lot of question marks, and they need to be solved fast because they have an Iowa State team that put up fifty two points on Week One opponent. So yeah, I mean they lost. Uh, a lot of guys on offense, they lost Brees Hall, they lost Brock Purdy. So, but it's looking like another, you know, big 12 offense that can score on you. So uh, Iowa's defense will definitely have a challenge. And the question is, can Iowa actually find the end zone against Iowa State's uh, defense? That's not no slouch either. So 
Yeah, a lot of question marks that I have uh, in Iowa City. Let's think about Iowa's next few games. Yeah, you, you're home against Iowa State. You have a home game. Then you're home against Nevada. So you play – Nevada's pretty good this year. I mean, they're 2-0 to start the season. Yeah. They look good. They've got a new head coach. Uh, you know, things are looking up there. And uh, your first road test is at Rutgers. Now, Rutgers look good this week, and I won't spend – too long talking about Rutgers, but they did pull out a one-point victory over Boston College when people thought Boston College would run the show there on them. And I've said for a while, and I've Tyler and I have talked about this, said Rutgers is a team that's up and coming. After this last season, they get a bowl game, not legitimately, but they get a bowl game. And, you know, they really get the national spotlight just a tad. And I think that that's just enough for them to say, hey, look, we're here, we're coming and we're not the worst team in the Big Ten, and, you know, we can compete on a given week with anybody and keep it a touchdown game. So credit to them for their 22-21 victory at Boston College. Great game. But Iowa has to go to Rutgers for the fourth game of the season, and it's not a safe game. It's just not. And then after that, you turn around and go home and play a top-ten team in the country in Michigan. So – I mean, it's tough. I mean, they got to play Ohio State this year. They got to play Purdue, which put up a heck of a fight against Penn State. They got to play Wisconsin as as I well, mean, since they're in their, their yes. Division. I mean, the only game that I feel confident in their schedule is closing the season at home against Nebraska. That's literally the only game I feel confident for them in the schedule this season. They could be less than a five hundred team this year, which is wild for me to think about, but it really could be. I mean, I just see so many other teams in the Big Ten that are better than Iowa. And Iowa is hung on by a thread. And going back to, you know, these last couple seasons, Iowa's been a top five team in the country by the fifth game of the season. And it's really like, well, here comes Iowa, you know, best defense in the country. And it's always a really close game. But if they can't score points this year, there's no way they can compete with anybody. And I think that falls on Spencer Petras and – entirely yeah looking at the schedule i mean like those you just look at you know the michigans and the ohio states and even you know like all of like like you mentioned like the big like the Rutgers and and purdue like i have faith and iowa's defense to stop them but they won't be able to stop that those offenses on every possession so i mean my main question is is iowa's offense going to be able to keep up with them the answer is no i mean we saw what they did they couldn't even find the end zone uh, they got all their points and field goals and safeties of this game. And you can't win the big 10 with field goals and safeties. You got to, you know, if, if you're going to pull off a, a win, even against like a team like Purdue of Aiden O'Connell, they put up 31 points against a very good Penn state defense. And yeah, this Iowa team, uh, I got to lower my expectations right now for them because if I don't see a sudden change all of a sudden by their offense, this is going to be, uh, you know, either a subpar 500 team or just above. So yeah, I think that, the, the Big Ten West is, you know, is trying is dwindling down on the teams that's going to be involved in the race. I think that Wisconsin has already put themselves uh, ahead of the pack already. Sure, absolutely, and I think Northwestern is in that conversation with yeah with Wisconsin to I be. I think Purdue is too. I mean, they yeah. did lose the game, but uh, they still have a lot of tests uh, ahead uh, ahead of them. But I, I believe in Purdue still, uh, but. I mean, like I mentioned, like this, like I, I could see like a nine and three and or ten and two winning the Big Ten West. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and now moving on, 
our second part of our show, our second segment of our show is brought to you by Buffalo Brewing Company, Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. Uh, make sure you guys go check them out. They are in Houston over in Chet's neck of the woods. Uh, Chet went out there and visited with those guys uh, this past week. So you guys can go check that out on uh, our social media networks. You can check that out on the Sports Scramble Network. Make sure you guys go hit them up and uh, see what they're all about. They're great guys. Uh, and we look forward to, to getting with those guys really soon. Uh, but here we go. I mean, we'll start off in the ACC this week. It's even more games, better games. And we open with a big tilt between uh, Tennessee going on the road back to Pitt. Uh, Pitt's still 17 in the country as of right now. Um, I know that'll change here in a little bit. But that's a great matchup, I think, for the second game of the season. Pitt looks like the ACC team right now. Again, they're still the front runners in the ACC after NC State kind of let you and you and me down this past week. They don't look like they're they're ready for an ACC championship game. So Pitt looks to be that team, and Tennessee is up and coming in the SEC, and people are all on them, and uh, including you. I think uh, you you're more of the SEC guy than I am, and and I know you've paid attention a lot to what Tennessee's doing, and you like what they're doing, and. I do too, and I think Tennessee uh, is a great team, and and I think they can pull this one out on the road at Pitt. Yeah, this is honestly turned into a coin flip. I thought this was just going to be Tennessee's going to win this game with a breeze, but after seeing what Pittsburgh's offense did in Week One, I think that Tennessee's uh, secondary is going to get challenged. I I think this is could be a, another high scoring shootout, like we saw like a thirty eight to thirty one type of game. Uh, we saw this game last year, Knoxville, Kenny Pickett and crew. Uh, took the victory, so Tennessee is going to be looking uh, for that revenge factor. But, I mean, Pittsburgh, I mean, they're going to sell that place out uh, for this game. I mean, that is just two good games, uh, two good home games to open the season. You have your bitter rival, West Virginia. Now you get uh, Rocky Top coming to your place. So this is going to be a battle. I expect this to be a battle. Uh, I am still high on Tennessee, but I would not count out this Pittsburgh team at home. Uh, I think it's just going to come down to, you know, who can get some stops because you have Tennessee and Hinden Hooker and all the weapons that they have, and then you have Pittsburgh and Keaton Slovis. But I'm still going to go with Tennessee in this matchup uh, just because of Hinden Hooker and, and that offense. Uh, he's really gelled with them. Uh, Keaton Slovis, I have question marks. Uh, he is facing an SEC defense, so it's not West Virginia's defense anymore. Um, but like I mentioned last year, Tennessee's uh, defense was a bit concerning. Uh, Purdue put up 40-plus points on them. Pittsburgh put up 40 points on them. So I think it's ultimately going to come down to which defense, uh, you know, can get a turnover that can change the momentum of this ball game. I think that's going to be Tennessee. They are the touchdown favorite, but I think it's going to be closer than that. I think uh, Tennessee wins this one like 38-35. to 35. Yeah, I think it's a really close game as well. Yeah, um, I yeah, I have belief in, in Tennessee on the road. I think they're – the great team, but for Pittsburgh, looking at the schedule, I mean, really coming out, you win the ACC championship last year. You're one of the top programs in the country. You're back, and you open the season, and they are no slouch. I mean, that's West Virginia at home, Tennessee at home. I know they're both home games, but those are great to opening games. Um, I mean, I wish that most schools that would win the win the conference championship would, you know, adopt some something like this. Um, 
it's like, hey, we're the defending ACC champions. We're going to play some teams yeah. like we're the defending ACC champions. So I, I give a lot of credit to Pittsburgh, and let's hope it's a really good game. Uh, the second game in the ACC there, Wake Forest is going to Nashville to face off against Vanderbilt, who looked very good uh, week one out there in the Pacific. So uh, I, I'm shocked by what Vandy did last week in an excellent, excellent game. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this. And, and I can't believe I'm about to say this because, let's face it, last year I picked two teams that are on this thing. I picked Pittsburgh and Wake Forest to play for the ACC championship. And I'm going to pick a bit against both of them in week two of the next season. I have more belief in Vandy at home than I do in Wake Forest on the road. So I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm picking two SEC teams <laughs> over the two teams I picked to go to the ACC championship game. And, uh, yeah, I, I got Vandy at home all day. Yeah, I, I have noticed that the line just keeps on uh, keeping on for Wake Forest. It's now eight and a half. So I think uh, I would – I think I would go Vanderbilt at home. Uh, I think this is going to be another high-scoring shootout again. Uh, Vanderbilt just gave up 31 points to Elon uh, last week at home. Uh, and then they also – they could put up points. They put up 63, uh, and then they put up 42 in their last game. So this Vanderbilt offense and Mike Wright, the quarterback, he is he is an absolute stud. I think this is exactly the quarterback that Vanderbilt needed. Uh, and this is just, you know, like the first, you know – challenge for Vanderbilt is right here against 22 Wake Forest maybe if they win this game they could you know receive some votes to sneak into the AP top 25 poll before uh, they have to face uh, Alabama which that oh my gosh I, that'll be a test for them right there but could you imagine, yeah. could you imagine a top 25 matchup oh. with Alabama and Vanderbilt oh my gosh I, that, that would just be unprecedented but if, if Sam Hartman was in this game I would probably go with Wake Forest uh but I just don't know how Wake Forest is off. I think that they will still be able to score against Vanderbilt's defense. I mean, Vanderbilt, you know, allowed 10 points to Hawaii, but Hawaii is like a PUE school, a uh, PUE team over there. And then they have to face Michigan this week. Uh, but Vanderbilt's offense will be able to score against Wake Forest defense, which is very suspect. It's, I think, one of the worst defenses in the ACC. So, this could be like a 45 to like 40 type of game of all we know. I think it's going to be like that, but I got to go with the Commodores and they're going to start the season three and oh, so I'm going to go uh, SEC bias here, go with Tennessee and Vanderbilt uh, like you. So I think that the Tennessee schools uh, go two and oh against ACC folks. Yeah. So that's a little inciting uh, insider betting information. Please, <laughs> for the love of God, please take the over in that game, folks. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't even know what the over is. I have to check, but I, it's got to be at least like in the 60s. It's in the 60s. Whatever it is, take the over. Yeah. I think it's uh, going to be get to like 80s. Yeah. Like I know it's going to seem like a lot of Either points. both teams are going to get into the 40s or both teams are at least going to get into the 30s. Yeah. High 30s, I would say. I know it's going to seem like a lot of points, but please take the over. I think it's going to have like the potential of the App State North Carolina game in Week One, where both teams like put up sixty three. Yeah, sixty three. We're going to talk about that later in the show. I'm saving that for later in the show for sure. Uh, But moving on to the Big Twelve, got another big battle here. Uh, Missouri facing off against K State here. Uh, Two teams I think are on the same level here. It's kind of odd. both on their conference, not the best, not the worst. Missouri might be the worst in the SEC now. Um, it depends uh, how we view it after this week. 
but uh, Missouri's got a tough test going and facing K State. In uh, I believe K State. I won't spend long. I think K State wins this game uh, easily by two touchdowns at home. They have the run game, uh, physical backs, offensive line is good. Right. I think they're they're a they're the Big Twelve team that can put points on the board, and I trust them at home big time over Missouri. Yeah, I just don't know if I trust Missouri's defense against Deuce Vaughn in that running game. Uh, Kansas State is going to be able – it's going to run it, uh, pound it up your throats. And I, I'm not going to pick uh, against Kansas State, especially as this game's in Manhattan. It seems like they always win big games here. So I think that they get it done here. I think they at least win by two touchdowns. I just think that Kansas State's just a better team. I would go 31-17 Kansas State. I, I think, like you mentioned, like – we thought that, oh, Vanderbilt's going to be the bottom, and now it could just be uh, Missouri or maybe another team. Uh, I mean, LSU didn't look that great, so maybe they, they're looking like Missouri and LSU are going to be at the bottom of the conference unless two of those teams uh, absolutely have a drastic change in the next couple of weeks. But I, I dubbed uh, Kansas State as one of the dark horse teams in the Big 12. I still believe that. Uh, so I'm going to go with K-State. I think they win this one at least by two touchdowns, like I mentioned. Just too much firepower on Kansas State's offense and their defense. You know, Big 12 is like, oh, no one stops them. Uh, but Kansas State's defense is, is very good. they got some dudes, especially the linebacker core. Their defensive line is solid. So Missouri uh, without Connor Basilak, I just don't know. I, I just can't trust them right now on the offense. I just don't know if they'll be able to score and keep up with Kansas State. So I'm going to go Kansas State uh, by by 14, go 31, uh, 31-17. I'll go with that. Yeah, so moving on from the, the sleeper game in the in the Big 12 there uh, to the big game in the Big 12, uh, and that is top 10 ranked Baylor, uh, your defending Big 12 champions, facing off against the number 25 BYU uh high-powered offense that you don't know what you're going to get on a given week. And uh, this has the makings to be a really good game here. Uh, BYU playing at home. I believe it's a night game. It is. At 9.15 our time. Good Lord, I'm going to be in a I mean, I'm going to watch that game. I usually don't watch that one, but this is like – I've been circling this one uh, since I've been, you know, I circle games, you know. I'm trying to watch more like Pac-12 after dark, and this is now like independent versus – Big 12, so this is going to be a much must-watch for me on Saturday night. Yeah, this is going to be a big game, and uh, I've got belief in Utah – or not Utah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got belief in BYU uh, to win this game at home, and I think it's going to be a really close game. If Baylor pulls it out, it's a three-point game uh, there, but I, I have belief in BYU uh, being at home. Tough place to play uh, in Provo, so I, I, I've got belief in them. Yeah, I mean, we saw both of these teams put up 52 points, respectively. Uh, Baylor played Albany week one. BYU traveled to Tampa, really handled their business. Uh, they just absolutely cruised. A uh, South Florida team that's just been in rebuilding mode for the for the past couple of years. I think this is, I mean, I say it again, this is going to, has all the potential for a high-scoring game as well, too. Explosive offenses both on, side, both, on both sides. Two talented quarterbacks uh, as well, so... I think this is going to be an insane battle. BYU is probably going to sold it out. They might do like a, a strikeout game. They usually like to do that, or maybe they go full on wide out. The, you know, steal page from Penn State. Uh, but I think that's going to be a sold out environment. This is a big game for both of these schools. I think more for BYU. 
Uh, especially, you know, I mean, if they beat like a top 10 team, like what's to say, you know, they can't pull a Cincinnati and run the table and make it to the playoff. I think that they have all the potential this year. They have the schedule uh, to do that as well. But uh, I think that BYU at home, it's just tough to bet against them uh, on on the road in Provo. But yeah, if, if Baylor finds a way to win this one, then I think uh, my identity is going to change. I think that Baylor ultimately becomes a favorite in the Big 12. I know it's just one game, but BYU is a very good football team. But I think that BYU wins this one, I'll say 31-28. I think it's going to be a field goal game, very close. I just don't see a blowout. And that's why I think both of these teams are very similar to each other, the identity they have on both sides of the ball. But I got to go with the Cougs in this one. <laughs> <laughs> got the Cougs at home. Cougs. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing with Baylor, when we looked back and we kind of made our – our so-called picks for, you know, the conference champions. And yeah. I went with Baylor. I, I did. And I said, you know, Baylor seems like the team that has everything put together for me. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State, if they don't have offense, they don't win a football game. That's the one thing that is lacking with them is defense. Uh, and, you know, every week is a 50-point game and, and on both sides of the ball. And it's a all-out air raid battle. But – Baylor has the defense, and, and that really, I think, puts them over the hump and into that first spot there yeah. in the 12. Oklahoma isn't who they used to be, I don't think, anymore. Uh, that'll kind of show its colors, I think, later on in the season. But, B, I mean, BYU at 25 and Houston at 24, you make a good point. So both of those teams went out. They run the table. They honestly could be that group of five team that might make it in like we saw with Cincinnati. I think BYU and more because just of the schedule. Um, sure. Talk, I'm going to pull up their schedule uh, real quick to see who they but play. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like – yeah, I feel like both of those teams are good enough. They both have good quarterback play. Oof, man, yeah, like, I'm yeah. looking at it. So great about it. So, they have Baylor this week, and then they travel to – Alton Stadium, Eugene to face 11 Frank Oregon. That'll probably drop. So I think that's probably going to be like a 24 Frank team at the time. Then they go on to face at Notre Dame. And then they have to face Arkansas at home. So, I mean, if they win the table, that's a t- that's like a number one team right there. I mean, I don't yeah. care what you think about it. That is like That would be like one, two. That would be like four, like top 25 teams that you're playing if you win all of them which i don't think that's going to happen i think they lose to to notre dame or arkansas or it could even lose this weekend but if this team runs the table and beats every opponent on their schedule this is a playoff team 100 no arguments about it absolutely i think i don't think anybody would argue the point with that yeah i i think they're a playoff team if they do that and uh it would be insane for that to yeah. happen and i think the only people that believe in that is is byu and their and their fans there, uh, and they might do it. I, who knows? I mean, we've seen crazier things happen, uh, and it really could be a great season for them. And it, that's a that's a great strength of schedule. I mean, that is awesome that you're playing all those teams back to back to back. BYU, golly, good for them, and uh, excellent, excellent for an independent school to do that uh, and face off against Notre Dame, and you go to Oregon, and you're playing against Arkansas. Great games right there. Uh, but, you know, moving over to the more yawn, you know, close your eyes, take a nap, uh, games of the week in the Big Ten. Uh, we already had our fun, folks, in the Big Ten this week, so this week is not so much fun. 
Uh, Iowa State is visiting Iowa, like we had mentioned. Uh, great in-state rivalry game. Uh, I expect Big Noon kickoff to be there, kind of, I guess. I don't know. Big Noon kickoff is at uh, Alabama and Texas. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Folks, Big Noon kickoff covers the both bigs, the Big Ten and the Big 12. So <laughs> That's why they named it that, so they can save their, yes. save their tush whenever they're streaming both. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's not big games in both conferences in the same week in a given time, so. Uh, but no, this is a great game, and it's always a great game. So, but everything we've talked about, I've got Iowa State. Yeah, this is. I just don't know, really know what to expect in this one. Uh, it is still at Kinnick State. Stay away from the betting. Stay away from the betting. Yeah, I would not touch this one with a ten foot pole. I know that the under is very good, but this is a rivalry game. I think that anything can happen. I mean, uh, like you, like you mentioned, uh, Spencer Petrus. Uh, I, I just, he's just just not the answer for this Iowa offense. Uh, Iowa State uh, looked very good. Uh, I just think that they do better whenever, like, no one talks about them. Because if you remember last year, Iowa State was a heavy favorite to win the Big 12 with so many veterans coming back. I know that uh, I just, like, really ragged on Iowa. But just because it's a home game, I guess I'll go with Iowa. I probably have, like, a 50% confidence in that. But I'm going to go with the home team, go with Iowa. This is going to be a barn burner game, probably another boring game. But Iowa's defense is going to be able to manhandle Iowa State's offense. The question is, can Iowa, you know, find the end zone? I think they do. They finally get some rhythm, try and just put it on their run game uh, and then, you know, take some you know momentum off of Spencer Petrus's, uh shoulders. Uh, but I'm going to go with Iowa. This is like the least confident that I have in a pick, uh, but I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes at home. Yeah. And uh, we're going to speed it up through here. And uh, I've got uh, Washington <laughs> State at number 18, Wisconsin. I've got Wisconsin all day long. Defense is great. Run game is good. And Washington State has no answer and no stop for them. And uh, I've got them uh, pretty one-sided in this game. I'll take Wisconsin. Yeah, this is going to be a blowout. I don't really have to spend much time on this one. Washington State won't be able to score on a very physical Wisconsin defense. Uh, and then Braylon, running back for Wisconsin, is just going to run all over them. This will be over by half. Yeah, uh, and now moving out west, we're going to the Pac-12, guys, and uh, great first game, interesting first game, number 14, USC, who absolutely manhandled week one, uh, almost 70 points up on the board, so I believe it was 66 points, uh, which is wild and uh, a good opening week for Lincoln Riley in the USC offense. Uh, they're going to Stanford, a uh, little in-state game there. They're going to Stanford to face off against the Cardinals. Uh, in that weird, dumb-looking tree, and uh, it's going to be a game. I, I think it's a it's going to be a good game. Stanford, you know, if we remember last year, they win a big game at home, kind of spoil Oregon's party. You know, it was a weird it was a weird game, and that was you know Oregon was a top twenty-five team in the country. Stanford was outside looking in. And they ended up winning at home. I don't think that's the case here. I think USC is the dominant team in this one. Uh, And I think we're going to put our money where our mouth is in this game later on. But, yeah, I've got USC uh, taking that one pretty easily uh, on the road. There's always something about this Stanford team pulling off an upset. Uh, They did it last year against Oregon. They did 
uh, you know, way back when, when against USC, literally in the same position whenever USC was the number two team in the country. But I think they're just way too talented of a team to really to, to falter this early in the season. Kale Williams, Jordan Addison, there's just so many dudes on the offense. I just don't know if Stanford, they're gonna, their defense is going to be like, whoa, what's going on? They're just throwing all over us. But I think this is going to be a game for three quarters, and then USC is just going to pull away at least a 10-plus uh, point victory. But I'm going to go with the Trojans. I think uh, week one I had some, you know, going into the preseason, I, I don't know if I really believed in the hype. I was still picking Utah. But now looking at USC schedule, it's, you know, lined up pretty good. They do face Notre Dame at the end of the year. Uh, so that's going to be a really big game. They do have to travel to Utah. So, I mean, they're going to have some contests. But, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if this team runs the table, goes undefeated, especially with the coach there, Lincoln Riley, and the play calling that they have. But, yeah, they're going to pass this test uh, in Palo Alto, so I'll go to the Trojans. Yeah, and the other – I think this is the sleeper game in the Pac-12 right here. Arizona State going on the road to face Oklahoma State. Uh, Great game here, I think. Arizona State is that team in the Pac-12 that is just outside of where they want to be and competing for that Pac-12 title. And your guys that were runner-up last year in, in the Big 12 and the team that we were high on last year uh, to get that fourth spot in the college football playoff. And uh, it's going to be a great game here, I think. A lot of offense here. Both teams don't have very good defenses. Uh, I would put Arizona State's defense better than Oklahoma State's defense. Uh, right now, I think offensively, Oklahoma State is is a bigger offensive threat. Uh, so I'm going to take them at home. I'll take the pokes at home to, to hold on to this one. Yeah, Oklahoma State's uh, defense was very concerning in week one, giving up 44 points to Central Michigan. I mean, Central Michigan uh, is going to be a team that competes uh, in the MAC uh, this year. But going into this game, uh, this is – I mean, what's not to say that this could be another high-score shootout. Oklahoma State and Spencer Sanders lit it up, putting up 58 points. Uh, the line's at 11 I think this is going to be a very close game. Uh, I think that both of these teams are very explosive, but I got to go uh, with uh, the Pokes at home and Stillwater. It's, it's tough to beat them uh, at their place. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma State, but I think that Arizona State could give them a run for their money. Yeah. And now heading over to the Power Pack SEC, uh, college football game of the week, I think, right here. College game day going to be over in Austin, Texas for this one. Number one, Alabama is headed to the horns they're going to texas to face the longhorns and uh could be a big uh battle here I and mean, we saw lsu and texas battle it out a couple of years ago uh over there and it was a great game and here we go with another with another uh big sec opponent and the biggest of them all in alabama and texas is going to have their hands full with this one and uh it's gonna be wild and i think uh if we think that Texas is back, you know, I see all this stuff all over Twitter and whatever, and everybody's like, Texas is back. Texas, It's every year, and uh, Alabama might put them in their place week two of the season right here. So uh, I've, I've got Alabama steamrolling Texas in, uh, in Austin. And this also has a storyline as well. Steve Sarkeesian, uh, the head coach for the Longhorns, was the former uh, O.C., for the Crimson Tide. So they got some ties there. I know that Sarkeesian is going to want to get back at Alabama. But the more and more I try and like get myself like, oh, Texas is going to keep this one close. I just can't see it. Alabama, 
on both sides. It's just a way better football team. Uh, Quinn Ewers is going to have to deal with a guy, Will Anderson. Uh, so that's not going to be a fun challenge. Uh, they do have uh, B. John Robinson. I think that if Texas can't run the ball, then this is a blowout because if B. John Robinson can't be B. John Robinson, this game is going to be over by halftime. I mean, you have other on the other side, you have Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner. So I think this is going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be like 49 to 20, something like that. I just don't see it. I just don't see Texas's defense even making a stop against Alabama. I just think that they're two explosives of an offense. So I'm going to go roll tide in this one. Yeah. Uh, now our second matchup here, uh, we got the Gamecocks going over to Fayetteville to face off against the Razorbacks, the Hogs. Uh, number 19, Arkansas will be defending their home field. Uh, great quarterback battle here, I think. Spencer Rattler uh, is your – your top quarterback there and uh, really notably the transfer into the SEC that everybody was like, wait a second, he's going to a small school in, in the, uh, in the SEC. And uh, this, this is it. I mean, he's facing off against KJ Jefferson in an all out great offense for Arkansas. Uh, I'm going to take Arkansas at home in this one being 19 in the country and seeing what they did last year. Uh, I've got the hogs at home. Yeah, Arkansas uh, looked very good against uh, Cincinnati. K.J. Jefferson uh, really did good. And then Jaden Hazelwood uh, got a touchdown to Oklahoma transfer. So that was uh, very good to see. And then Raheem Sanders had over uh, – I think he had 119 yards by the end of the game. Uh, but in South Carolina, you know, really had a game there in week one at home against Georgia State. Georgia State's going to be a team that can compete in the Sun Belt for this year along the likes. So it looks like App State's going to be the top team. And then maybe a sneaky team could be South Alabama if they could uh, continue to to put up some numbers and then Coastal Carolina getting uh, that week one win against Army. So I think that if this game was at williams Bryce, I would probably go with the Gamecocks. But since it's at Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas has got two good home games to start as well. They have Cincinnati and now they have South Carolina. So uh, I think Wu Pig Sui is going to ultimately win this one. It's going to be a battle. I think this is going to be another defensive battle between these two teams. But I'm going to go with Arkansas 28 to 24 against South Carolina. And let me say, these two teams, these two schools have put out the wildest TikTok videos yeah. of their new stadium lights. And both of them have these absolutely blood red lights. And it's crazy. It's cool looking. And I can't imagine being inside that stadium when all those lights go red. And uh, there's some people jumping around there. So this is going to be a big one. And, and it's going to be fun to watch this game. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, moving on outside of our Power Five into the lovely group of five. And our first matchup is uh, – and our only matchup, sorry, in the group of five. <laughs> That's right, folks. We're only doing one matchup in the group of five uh, for the week because there's not a lot going in the group of five. Besides this, um, App State coming off of an absolute – heartbreaker in overtime to North Carolina is headed to college station to play the sixth ranked uh, Texas A&M Aggies. I don't understand why Texas is, or Texas A&M is at six. Uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They don't play like a six ranked team in the country. We'll get into that another time. And I think their true colors will show. And I don't think they'll be inside the top 20 uh, in a couple weeks. So this game right here is wild, and you're not going to like me for this pick. I'm taking App State to beat Texas A&M in College Station 
Uh, I think they want some to get some anger and some revenge out here uh, on North Carolina, that is. And I think they'll take it out on Texas A&M. They have offense, uh, crazy offense uh, for App State. I think they're my pick to take the Sun Belt this year. So I, I'm I'm going to roll with App State on the road. This a wild pick, but I, I'll take them. Texas A&M uh, did look sloppy against Sam Houston State. Uh, they had a rain delays. Uh, they put up 31 points, but the good thing was that they did put up a shutout. Uh, Sam Houston State, you know, was the team that went undefeated last year. And that was an offense that put up, uh, you know, crazy number of points. That was a very good offense. And uh, Texas A&M's defense is going to be at the top of the SEC, along with Alabama and Georgia. Maybe even Florida can sneak into the, to the conversation as well. But Appalachian State, the problem for me is that they don't have a lick of defense. So how if Texas A&M, you know, gets it going, I think that they're going to focus more on their running game uh, this this uh, this week. But I know that uh, probably Haynes King is going to be the starter uh, once again. I don't really see a sudden change of going with Max Johnson just after week one. But if Appalachian State uh, and Chase Bryce can score against Texas A&M, then I would feel more confident going with them. But that's just – I just think that Texas A&M's defense is just way too good. App State, you know, goes from a UNC team that's like, oh, you scored. Oh, well, oh, well, try again. Uh, they just don't have a defense. Uh, so, I think that's going to be a problem for App State. I do have uh, confidence in their offense, but not against Texas A&M's defense. I think that A&M is going to show their true colors uh, in this game. So, I'm going to go with A&M. I think they win uh, by two touchdowns. I'll go with uh, A&M at home. Yeah, two disagreements in the show. So, uh... yeah. Hey, we'll take that. It's usually like one every, you know, game of the week we have one. So <laughs> Yes. So, and I can't believe we're disagreeing on a group of five game, but here we yeah. go. Uh, so uh, our our third segment, our last segment of the show uh, is our news and headlines, our CFP Coast to Coast News. Uh, and that is sponsored by Righteous Felon Jerky. Uh, go check them out. You can use promo code OCSN for 15% off uh, for the best beef jerky around that bang for your buck uh any flavor that you can think of uh go check them out at righteousfelon.com uh and use ocsn for 15 percent off your order there uh but first thing on the tilt uh, dude i can't believe finally it has happened we have decided that the college football playoff is gonna go from four to twelve Man, we went from, I just wanted a little something. I just wanted a nibble. Maybe let's go to six or eight. But nope, we said, let's go to 12, folks. And I am i couldn't be happier. Uh, they did come out and say 2026 uh, would be when it takes effect. But rumor has it that it could be as early as 2024. It depends on how slow or fast uh, it's the good old tortoise in the hair moment there uh, for this. So I, I think uh, 2024 is a little soon, maybe 2025 uh, for this one. And I could not be happier with this. Oh, I agree. I think this is was definitely the right move for the college football playoff to expanding. I mean, four was just getting too boring, just the same old teams like you see Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson pretty much get in every year. Now you'll see – this is how they're doing it, right? Uh, they are doing the six – Highest ranked conference champion. Finally, this is what it should have been all along. Conference champions yeah. matter. Conference champions matter. That's all I've been preaching. And then the the next thing is the six highest ranked teams. So I think one of the six uh, was the group of five as well. I think the group, the highest group of five gets in. And how they structure it is uh, the top four seeds will get the buy. So they go on to the quarterfinals. And this is my favorite part. 
the five through 12 seeds, the, the higher, the lower seed, I guess. And so it'd be like the five seed plays at their campus stadium. So let's freaking go more. <laughs> like, can you just imagine, you know, like a, a playoff atmosphere? You know, I'm sure the anxiety is through the roof of the fans and the players, but just the ticket sales, the the money that those schools would make. I just think it all makes sense. And I just don't get, you know, the Twitter, the Twitter bro saying, Oh, this is a bad move. Well, go go into your go into your room over there. We'll we'll enjoy more college football games. But yeah, this is I did also see that, you know, like the the colder schools, like if they want to play like in a near dome, but not. Nah. You got to frozen tundra. The Green Bay, the Packers have to play in the frozen tundra. So do you. So suck it up. But yeah, this is I, this is finally the move. Uh, I think that a lot of people are going to get behind this, and man, the future of the college football playoff looks bright. Yeah, let's hope my boys uh, over in Penn State can, can hold on and maybe be a top twelve team in the country in a couple of years. Yeah, and uh, man, could you imagine some of these schools? Yeah, in the Northeast that you know have high elevation. It's December, and we're playing playoff football and it's snowing <laughs> and you know i think that's what we need though you know i know kurt herbstreit was talking about you know it's really what we've been missing because we have the conference championship game and then we really don't have anything i mean for quite a while till we get to bowl games and in the playoff itself so i think this is a good filler that means college football around the clock you know all the way through to the playoff um, I've always been a fan of, we've talked about, talked about it, you know, to each other and in, in our, in our group and, and, you know, about how I think that if we just played conference games, it would mean more if we didn't, because if we don't, if we take out the non-conference games, yes, we'd be playing less games. And I know that was the worry was, well, we don't want these guys playing a ton of games because it's a lot on the body and, and, you know, they, it's a lot of travel and everything. And I said, well, here's the thing. So most of those guys have aspirations to go to the NFL. They're playing – they've added another game. You're playing 17 weeks of straight football at the NFL level. So why can't we play 15 weeks of football at the college level? I think that's what mm-hmm. the fans want. That's what the schools want, more revenue, like you said. I mean, I think it's great for the game. I think it's awesome. Uh, and I'm glad it's happening. So uh, kudos, kudos to – the 11 people on the committee for finally, finally coming to a decision. And I thought about this a little bit and that being, you know, we're surrounded by so much of the commissioners for each league making the decisions and they sit in that seat forever and ever and ever. And these people on the college football playoff committee are the same people, you know, over and over and over again, making these decisions you know, and it's the same 11 people in there. I said, why don't we have some sort of limit, term limit, as far as, you know, what happens? I said, with the new format, I think you just go scorched earth and you take everybody off of that committee and almost do like a, I think that common people like you and I, uh, you know, could go into a situation where it's like, hey, sign up for a lottery, then you might be considered to be one of the 11 people in the committee. Somebody that doesn't have a bias towards or a tie, it's more of a tie to these big schools and these other schools. Hey, this person doesn't have a tie to the school. They can make a decision based in a committee here. And it's not skewed towards, well, I'm the AD for this organization and we're making a ton of money because we're going to play Alabama this week or 
or Auburn this week or Texas and, and, and all these other teams. So I feel like if we did some sort of lottery where, hey, we drafted these people into into the committee, I feel like it would mean more and I think it would be better for college football if something like that was to happen. Well, then the new format as well, you know, we've seen so many players opt out. That's all going to wipe away now. Like we, like these teams, you know, even if they make the New Year's Six Bowl game, like, oh, well, this game doesn't matter. Let me go ahead and prepare for the NFL draft. Now if your team gets into the playoff, now this game actually matters because now you have, a, you know, a path to the national championship. So I think that's also – this is also, you know, it's going to eliminate more opt-outs as well. I mean, obviously the teams who don't make it, you'll still see players opt out. But – the teams that make uh, the playoff, I mean, no one's going to quit because you still have a chance to make it to the national championship and ultimately win a national championship. That's your goal. That's why you go to college. So I think this is all that that's also going to eliminate that. So I'm definitely a fan of that. Yeah, I'm ready for that 12 seed Cinderella to <laughs> to make a comeback into the yeah. into the college football national championship game. So no, we'll look forward to it, and I think we are excited as most college football fans are excited, including the players probably for what's to come in uh, in college football and the last thing uh man some wild games from week one crazy wildest things that i saw number one is how in the world does a kicker or a punter i'm sorry a punter take catch the ball and then hey we're gonna run a fake psych let me run five (laughs) yards past the line of scrimmage and then punt the ball because i've got some big 250 pound linebacker coming right at me and I'm scared. So he kicks the ball. Uh, man, that is, I, I, I don't know. That, that was beyond me. Yeah. I just don't know what he was doing. I mean, either that man thought that he was playing rugby or he just didn't want to get hit. So I was like, well, I have this, you know, big linebacker coming after me. I mean, and this was a, a South Carolina state versus UCF. So like a UCF defender was literally beelining. To the punter, he's like, oh, man, I got to punt this away. And then so I guess that was like his, his like only decision to do that. Uh, but, yeah, the announcer's like, well, um, he punted it late. I think it was just so <laughs> hilarious. The announcer did it perfectly. That's the way to call it. But, yeah, that was that was just a, a boneheaded play. Yeah, nothing like Bobby Boucher coming at you there while you're, while you're, while you're trying to punt the ball. But that's wild. And then that App State. In University of North Carolina, game. what in the world? I mean, yeah, I mean, App State literally scored forty points yes. in the, in fourth, the fourth quarter. It's a loss. Their quarterback threw for six touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I said, man, well, now you know why I chose them over Texas A and M. You know, this week I said that's crazy. I mean, in the part that got me was that you know, you see the video. I saw it. I guess it was yesterday or today. I saw the video of basically all of the North Carolina, you know, App State kicks the onside kick. And North Carolina's guys just absolutely bulldoze. Those guys on the on the line, you know, your front guys trying to go cover the ball. And North Carolina gets the ball and runs it back for a touchdown. And I'm thinking, what are they doing? Is it just fall on the ball and take a knee and run the clock out? No, they ran back for a touchdown. And all of a sudden, it's an eight-point game. And App State drives down the field and scores a touchdown. It has a chance uh, to tie with a two-point conversion. It has a chance to tie it for a two-point conversion after going for it the first time and missing it. 
on a wide open receiver who falls over and he doesn't catch it, thinking that it is all over. And then they go and they run it and they run the same play, but instead of throwing it, the quarterback holds onto it and he gets stopped at the one yard line and they lose. That is the wildest thing besides what we saw last night, which I'm sure you'll want to talk about, but that is crazy to me. That was a wild game, a 63 to 61 game, 124 points in a game. That's insane to me. Yeah, and that's why I think they're going to lose to Texas A&M because they have no defense whatsoever. <laughs> they, I mean, they literally put up 40 points and still lost. I mean, that's on the defense right there. I mean, that not, nothing that you can't blame Chase Price. He threw six touchdowns. He did everything that you wanted to do and then still find a way to lose the game because yeah. – your defense can – all right, I'm going to go to the box score here. I'm going to look at the team stats of how many total yards. Oh, my gosh. All right, well, I thought it was going to be even worse. North Carolina had 567 total yards. App State had 649 total yards. So you outgain them literally in every facet of the game. You outscore them in the fourth, and then you still lose. So I think every man on the defense needs to run uh, like a lap until they puke because the offense didn't do nothing. The offense just needs, yeah, the defense needs to give them a gift basket for what they did. And the defense has a lot of work to do if they want to win the Sun Belt. Yeah, defense needs to buy dinner for the offense this yeah. week, uh, at College Station. So, yeah, that's, that's wild to me. And then uh, I'm sure you don't want to talk about it, but talk about it about last night. Florida State and LSU, and what a game. I'm sitting here going, man, if Florida State scores another touchdown, this game could be over. Well, here comes LSU in the fourth quarter with five minutes left to go, drive down the field, and they end up getting stopped. And uh, they score the touchdown. They're down, down, I guess, uh, seven at this point. And all of a sudden, LSU gets a stop. The punt comes back to the LSU returner, and he muffs it. This is the second punt that he's muffed in the game. And all of a sudden, Florida State has the ball with two minutes left to go on LSU's, like, eight-yard line. And I'm thinking, well, this is probably it. They run it, they run it. All of a sudden, we get to third down on the one-yard line for Florida State, and they run a pitch play. <laughs> Florida State's running back fumbles the ball on the one-yard line and gives it back to LSU with less than two minutes to go in the game. LSU drives down the field because Florida State's playing prevent and they're just defending the end zone. LSU goes all the way down the field and scores a touchdown. To make it a one a one score game, it is twenty four to twenty three. Keep in mind, LSU's field goal kicker has already been blocked once in this game on the go ahead field goal, and here we are again. And LSU makes the call to kick the extra point. Brian Kelly's throwing up one. We're kicking the extra point, and they go up there, and he gets blocked again with one second on the clock. And that's it. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what are you doing? I said, I mean, I get it. You probably you want to play for overtime or whatever. I'm thinking you have all the momentum. You just drove 99 yards down the field 
and all of a sudden, hey, let's pump the brakes. It's a one-point game, and let's kick the extra point. Go for two. You just scored from the same spot. You just scored a touchdown from the two-yard line. Why would you not go for two and win the game right there? You just showed how vulnerable they are on the goal line defense, and you kick the extra point, and you they block it, and you lose the game. I, that was wild to me, and I was still – I'm going to be thinking about that for a couple of weeks, about that decision to do that. We definitely explained that uh, game well. Uh, we have our sports scramble show later, so I, I got, I'm just going to say my thoughts on there. Uh, because we have also we have also two LSU fans in there, so I think it's just safe for me to just save my save my uh, thoughts for that game uh, for the later show, so our viewers don't have to hear it twice. So I'll just keep my thoughts. But yeah, it was it was an insane game for sure. It was a crazy week one. I think one of the best week ones that I've seen in, in a very long time. So uh, kudos uh, to the teams, you know, to to play in these type of games to kick off the season. So yeah. We have 11 more weeks to go, and it's going to get even wilder. It's going to get wilder. In the last game tonight for for week one here, we've got a Monday game uh, tonight, Labor Day night game. Uh, (laughs) Georgia Tech and Clemson are facing off, and uh, folks, tune into that game tonight. I'm sure it'll be a good one. Uh, And we will catch you guys next week for week two recap, and we're going to get right into week three. Let's see what else crazy things can happen in week two. and the final thing that we've got on our show is our three-leg parlay. And, of course, guys, we talked about it a little bit. And we pick, we're pick we picking USC to cover the nine-and-a-half over Stanford on the road there, looking like a poised and great offense there. Uh, Florida to, to cover against Kentucky. Who would have thought we would be picking Florida over Kentucky week two? Because I think we were both high on Kentucky. Now we're like – we're like – Let's go to Gainesville. We're picking them. <laughs> yes. So we're picking Florida to cover the five there over Kentucky. And last but not least, man, we're going with the trusty Rusty here, and that's Alabama to cover the 20 points in Austin on the road against Texas. It is a lot, but it I is think a lot. lot of people are going to be picking this as well. I, I just don't see Texas. I know where my bread is buttered when it when it comes yeah. to sports betting, and that, and that is Alabama. So When I want to win money, I put my money on Nick Saban and company. Exactly. Uh, they're bound to make you money eventually. So uh, we're taking those three games on the parlay this week, folks. And uh, that's it for the show this week. We will catch you guys for week two. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook at CFB Coast to Coast and Twitter. And that is at underscore CF, or that is at CFB underscore Coast to Coast on Twitter as well. Uh, guys, go give us a follow. We're trying to grow this show big and uh it's getting there ever so slightly we're growing and uh, we're enjoying the ride and enjoying the fun so we will catch you guys next week next monday for week two recap in the preview of week three mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.